Hi, thank you for clicking on the Digital Selling Secrets Podcast. You're about to listen to part one of the interview with Benton Crane. Benton Crane is the CEO of Harmon Brothers, and if you've never heard of Harmon Brothers, Google them right now. Their ads have received millions of views, and they have this ability to generate ads and make them go viral around topics or products that some companies just don't feel comfortable talking about. So it's they're a, they're a very innovative company, and in this interview, we talk about branding and direct sales, both at a corporate level and at a personal level for personal branding. So if you're looking at building your corporate brand or personal brand and increasing sales, definitely listen to this episode. But the reality is we're human. And when we're on social media and we're only seeing the highlight reel, when something human pops up, something relatable, something vulnerable, that builds trust. Then what I have to do is offer them something that has a high enough perceived value to overcome their desire to not get pitched or spammed or bothered or annoyed. I have to go on a gut level first and foremost. What sells me? How do we take some of the repetitive, quote unquote, bureaucratic tasks out of the hands of the rep and automate those to free up time for them to spend selling? How can we create a place where it's positive, where there's nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration, and how can we do it consistently? Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Digital Selling Secrets podcast. On this episode, we talk about sales, digital transformation, and leadership. We have a very special guest with us. We have the CEO of Harmon Brothers, and we're going to talk a lot about sales. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about how they got started. Uh, but I don't want to take his thunder. Uh, first off, uh, Ben, thanks for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, Gary. Yeah, thank you for making time. And um, I don't know if y'all have heard of Harmon Brothers before, but they're infamous and they're, no, they're known for some of those um, ads such as Squatty Potty, uh, Poopery. Uh, they do a great job of taking certain subjects that some, some firms or some people may not feel comfortable talking about and creating some really outrageous ads. And um, if you've ever Googled them, you've probably seen their millions of views. And if you add them, I think if you added up all of views, it'd probably be billions of views. Um, just a very, very unique firm that does a great job of getting uh, different companies' names out there. And um, I, I've always been amazed when I see the ads. So if you haven't seen the ads, definitely check out the ads that they put out. Um, ben, could you? Would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got started or how uh, Harmon Brothers got started? Yeah, absolutely. So my my partners are the brothers that are named Harmons. Uh, so believe it or not, there's actually six brothers, uh, but four of them are involved here in the Harmon Brothers agency. And um, several of them were, you know, this is going back 10, 11 years now, were co-founders of Aurabrush. And Aurabrush was a tongue cleaner that gets rid of your bad breath. And it was invented by a dentist, and he had he had invented it, tried to get it off the ground, had you know dumped like forty thousand dollars into an infomercial to try to get this thing off the ground. It totally failed, completely flopped. Um, he went to a marketing class at the the university here in Provo, and uh, at BYU. And Jeff Harmon just happened to be a student in that class. He wasn't the student who ended up working on, you know, that, that case study for AuraBrush, but on his last day of class, everyone was presenting their findings for their case studies, and this group 
told uh, Dr. Bob was the name of the inventor. This group told Dr. Bob, hey, you know, we did our research and it turns out that only 8% of people online would be willing to buy this thing. So we think you have a dud, you should probably scrap it, not do anything more with it. And, and so Jeff is sitting at the back of the classroom and he raises his hand and he said, 8%, that's millions and millions of people. Why wouldn't you sell to those people? And, uh, and so Dr. Bob is like, uh, can I talk to you after class? And, and so he, uh, he grabbed Jeff and um, uh, he, he was out of cash. So he had to give Jeff a motorcycle to get him to, <laughs> to, come, to, to come to work with him. And uh, he ended up pulling Jeff and Neil in as co-founders. Um, and, and they ended up launching Aura Brush on YouTube when YouTube was like this, it had barely been purchased by Google. Um, and so prior to that point, you know, YouTube had just been, you know, like sharing cat videos and that sort of thing. And, and then Google bought it and they wanted to turn it into an ad platform. And, and so they needed people to kind of pioneer that platform. And Jeff was, you know, a pioneer in the right place at the right time. And so he basically invented, you know, YouTube marketing, uh, with, with the Aura Brush campaign and things like, you know, skippable ads on, on YouTube when you go to watch a video and the ad plays before for five seconds, then you hit that skip button. That's a result of Jeff saying, hey, YouTube, don't constrain me to a 15 or a 30 second clip like what happens on TV. Give me the flexibility to make it whatever length I want and then give the viewer the flexibility to choose whether or not they want to watch it. And YouTube was like, oh yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. We'll do that. And so they went and built the, you know, the skippable ads. And, you know, looking back a decade now, I feel like that one thing might have been, you know, one of the biggest innovations in advertising in, the, in a long, long time because it shifted the power from advertisers who can just force any crap in your face that they want to. Now the power shifts to the viewer who only has to watch the ad if they feel it's worth their time and they want to engage with it. And so now as advertisers, we have to make content that people actually want to see. We have to make content that's fun, it's enjoyable, it's educational, it's, it's shareable. And, and you know, that was the beginning. Um, you know, after the brothers left Aura Brush, I joined up with them um, and we launched the Poopery campaign. And that was you know, the first campaign that we did as Harmon Brothers, the agency. And then that snowballed and we ended up doing Squatty Potty and purple mattresses and chat books and fiber fix and lumi deodorant and and a whole bunch of others uh so that so that's the uh uh i, I guess that's your three minute history of Harmon brothers yeah yeah that's that's exciting i mean to think about how much y'all have grown and um i mean and y'all are part of the innovation around such a big platform as YouTube and from the very beginning. So uh, I guess that just goes to show just showing value up front and how much, how much of an impact that could make. Cause I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they start thinking extremely big right off the bat versus thinking, how can you add value right now in one spot and then, and then grow more organically, which it sounds like um, you all did if I'm, if I'm following correctly. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's accurate. And, you know, we, we kind of, we built on a very simple premise. And that premise is that when you combine a great product or a great service with a great marketing message, that's kind of like the, this, you know, marriage that's made in heaven. And, and so, 
we we don't take on any client just because you know somebody's willing to write a check to us you know if we don't feel passionately that they have a great product or a great service and and a great message to deliver with that then you know we 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 take a skip on uh, on what we view as either subpar or maybe products that we're just not passionate about ourselves makes sense well, a lot of our viewers are B2B sales professionals or business owners, and they're just getting going. If they're sales professionals, they're just now learning how to market themselves online using social media, YouTube, uh, Facebook, the other platforms. Same way with business owners. And if they're like myself, they, they're doing a lot of training, right? Consistent training. I guess even when you're an expert, you, you, I mean, you're, then I imagine you're probably a lifelong learner yourself and you're continuously learning as well. But with that being said, I mean, there's so many books out there. You have the books from the 1950s and 1960s. Then you have um, the newer version of how do you, I mean, some, a lot of the stuff's the same, a lot of the stuff's different. Everybody has their theory on what words to use in headlines, how to structure headlines. Um, uh, long, long sales letters, short sales letters. Um, <laughs> there's just so many different facets to it. And it's as sales professionals, I feel like over a period of time, sales professionals kind of develop their own way of selling and it comes natural to them. So when they get in this marketing world, they start analyzing everything and it almost feels like it makes you take a step back to where you're over analyzing things and you're afraid to put content out there. You're afraid to say certain things because you're, you have all these people viewing. But Harmon Brothers does that. They know millions of people are going to view their content. Um, but, but they're willing to take that risk, if you will. Maybe it's not a risk. Maybe it's, it's such a calculated risk. It's not a risk at all. But to really put themselves out there. And what are, some, what are your recommendations on those for those sales professionals or small business owners that are getting going that they're learning vigorously and they're at the point where they're like, man, there's so many different ways I could, I could go with this. Do I just put, put uh, just be myself and put something out there and, and incorporate some of the things I've learned or do I try to um, analyze it for the next couple of weeks and then put something out? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Ben? Yeah. So I think there's an interesting analogy that kind of bridges the gap between the B2B world as well as just kind of your uh, consumer product world. So if you think about in the consumer product world, historically advertising has kind of lived in two different worlds, two different uh, schools of thought, you know, two ends of a, of a spectrum. And, and basically those, those uh, different worlds were infomercials you know, this is your direct response world. Think Snuggy, you know, Slap Chop, call 1-800, uh, you know, whatever the number is and hurry while supplies last. And if you call in the next five minutes, you get this extra special offer or whatever it is, that world, right? Versus kind of this other world of traditional branding, which is your Apple, it's your Nike, it's your, it's your Coca-Cola, right? It's the, this world is very much about the look, the feel, the emotion, uh, the, the message, but they they will never hit you with a like, you know, a hard call to action of hurry now while supplies last, get on down here, you know, that, that type of thing. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't go there. And these two worlds historically have hated each other, like bad, 
like the traditional branders look at the infomercial stuff and they're just like, oh, gross. <laughs> they, they watch right. an infomercial and they feel like they have to go take a shower, right? They're thinking, why would you ever do that to your brand? Meanwhile, the direct response marketers are looking at the traditional branders and saying, oh my gosh, that's all fluff. You can't measure that stuff. You're not going to get an ROI. If you do get an ROI, it's going to be like six months down the road. You know, screw that. I want to focus on my direct sales. I have my data. Um, you know, I know my ROI. I put a dollar in, I get $2 back out. So these two worlds just hate each other, right? Um, and I feel like in the B2B world, there's kind of an, an analogous or a parallel situation where it's like, historically, companies have had sales and companies have had marketing and rarely do the two groups kind of see eye to eye. You know, marketing is always like, oh man, we're doing all this great marketing. If that sales team could just close the deal, you know? Right. And then meanwhile, the sales team is over here going like, oh man, if marketing could just get us better leads, you know, if they could get us warmer leads, that, that type of thing. And um, in the consumer product world, when we came along, we tried to kind of flip that on its head and say, no, it doesn't have to be either or. You don't have to think like a direct response marketer or a traditional brander you can take the best of both of those worlds. And so, you know, when you look at traditional branding, the things that they do so well are they create a brand character, a brand voice. Uh, they create an emotion that you can, you can relate with, you can feel, you can, you, it, it makes it memorable, it makes it shareable, it, it makes it so you trust the brand, right? All of those things are so good about traditional branding. And then meanwhile, over in the direct response world, there's so much good in the fact that I can spend a dollar and get $2 back. And I know that I can do that consistently so I can grow my business in a predictable way. And I don't have to kind of like rely on faith of like, Oh, I'm going to spend all this money this year and cross my fingers and hope it works out. No, it's measurable. It's trackable. And so you take both of those worlds and which is exactly what we did with poopery and squatty potty and purple mattresses and the list goes on and on right to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars in sales and um and you know well over a billion and a half views or whatever the count is at now um and so when i when i think about the b2b world i i would love for teams and for companies to start to shift the mindset around like sales versus marketing and really start to blend those into one cohesive um, team, one cohesive uh, way of thinking. Um, because at the end of the day, even when somebody is you know, closing or, or being sold or whatever it is, it should still be on brand, on voice it should be in an entertaining way it shouldn't be high pressure it should be in a in a way that really uh, respects the client respects the viewer um, and then the same goes for for marketing you know if your marketing is just fluff um, that that is just like feel good or whatever and it's not actually driving towards the business goals then at the end of the day does it really help right and so that, that's what I would love to see B2B businesses kind of change their thinking around is let, let's blend those two worlds and take the best of both instead of kind of pitting them against each other.
Yeah, that, that makes sense. And you're spot on that definitely depending on what company you work for. I've seen it at different companies um, where the marketing's putting out marketing materials and the sales professionals look at it and say, well, this is, I don't know if my clients really even want this, you know, or it's, um, or it's too, um, trying to make everyone happy. So it's very neutral in the language. There's not any strong offers. There's um, yeah, may not be any offers at all. And then the wording isn't very clear. It's written to, to a point where um, it doesn't really, the message isn't really coming through uh, versus sales professionals may be more direct um, and maybe almost too focused on their product or service and not focused enough on the pain points and, and what the client's goals are and what they're trying to accomplish. Now, a lot of sales professionals are using LinkedIn, they're using Facebook, and they're putting out their own posts, right? And they may not even be mentioning things about the company. They may be just trying to build relationships digitally. Um, but through their analysis of different marketing materials, they're trying to figure out where to start and, um, and, and still be themselves, but, and, and don't come across don't come across like a brand. Uh, don't, I guess they are their own brand. They are the character, right? Um, any, any recommendations for them as far as, um, you know, if they have all these different uh, voices, if you will, from books and courses and, and that sort of thing. What are your recommendations to them on, should they just be putting out as much content as they can, uh, whether that be blog articles, posts, and analyzing them, or they should, should they be, uh, um, I mean, what, what do you think? 